So welcome again. I think people like seeing all the sights of you think so? Levittown. Do you guys like seeing the sights of Levittown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that kind of fun? Mm-hmm. It's appropriate. We are in a series called Immeasurably More, and I think that kind of very skimming of Levittown in this region, uh, those are our people, right? They're the people that God has called us to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, they're us. And so I think the, the bumper video kind of works for this series. Uh, I'm excited to have Emily join me today. There we go. Thanks. Yeah. Hope, waiting for the applause there. Uh, excited to have Emily join me. And the reason that I've asked Emily to join me is because the vision for Restoration Church, however many years ago it started, it began with you and me, right? Like right. It, was, it was something that was... Well, God probably gave it to us. But yeah. Right, right. Well, of course. But. So God gave it to us. And so, you know, Emily has never been dragged through this process. I've never been the caveman who grabbed her hair and said, you're coming with me to the east. Um, and we're going to go plant a church. So it's always been, it's always been something that we've done together. And so I'm excited that you're here to join us. So yeah, it's funny that you say that bringing me east because I actually grew up out here. Ha ha, touche. Want to tell us that transition. story? <laughs> tell us about that. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I actually grew up in Newtown, just up the road, and um, experienced throughout my childhood and teen years the impact of a healthy growing church and um, the impact that a healthy growing church can, could have on a community. Um, when I, I arrived at First Baptist Church of Newtown when I was three years old, my dad was the pastor um, on State Street in, in downtown Newtown, and then over 23 years of his ministry life, um, the church grew, God grew the church is what I really should say, and um, dad and the leadership at the church were faithful to um, st- keep up with God's growing of that church and eventually it led them to Grace Point which many of you know is our the church that planted us our parent church I think is what you would really call that Um, and I would have to say that like at the time that I was growing up there I had no no plans no idea no dream that Ross and Ross would be in my life, or that life, we right? would be church, I would be church planting with my parent church. You, right? you would actually said you would never marry a Minnesotan. I would I never marry a Minnesotan, that was, that and like, I probably didn't want to marry a pastor. You have that tattooed <laughs> on your arm, I think, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I was <laughs> never going to marry a Minnesotan, but that m- that my Minnesotan would actually fall in love with the East Coast in this area and feel a passion to plant a church here is like totally immeasurably more God thing. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that is amazing about this area um, is that between the river, the Delaware, and like Newtown Bucks County, there are 100,000 homes. It's the most densely populated suburban area of Philadelphia, and yet there are so few healthy churches. Um, And I say that because when I went away to college in Minnesota, where Ross and I met, we met at Bethel Bethel College then, it's now Bethel University in St. Paul, Um, I experienced a church culture shock because... um, I, I just could, uh, growing up out here, like, we had a, maybe a group of a few churches that we did, like, youth group things with, um, but in Minnesota, there is literally a thriving church in every movie theater, school, elementary school, high school, tons of church Community plants, Center. and then there's mega churches who Buildings, have built these yeah. amazing, gorgeous with huge lobbies that we envy. Um, <laughs> but these facilities that are amazing. On 30 acres. And, yeah, right, right, right. And as a piano teacher out there, I teach piano, and uh, most of my students attended church. Um, that was, like, kind of a given. Um, it's almost hard to meet people who weren't at least, like, familiar with the church or comfortable going to a church. So lots of lots of really great things happening there. It's an exciting um, area of the country where God is doing great things. Right, yeah. um, but when God put on our heart to plant a church, 
it really was our heart. Like Ross said, I didn't feel dragged along to come out here at all um, because I think I've always had a real love for God's kingdom in the Northeast yeah. to see it grow yeah. since I was probably a little kid because that's what I got to see happening. Yeah, and I, I went on this prayer retreat when, you know, early in the process to um, a hermitage in central Minnesota, and I spent 48 hours by myself in the woods and just praying out to God. And, and what I came back with was this, with this mission statement, if you will, um, that basically said that we want to be a community of people empowering one another with the love of God for the benefit of the world. And so there's this, there's this element where we are discipling each other, right, where we're growing to become more like Jesus together, where we are instilling God's love within each other. That's part of it, the community aspect, uh, but learning to be like Jesus. And wh who's the benefit for? Yes, it's certainly for us, but the benefit is for our community. It's for our neighbors. Like that, the region that we are in would be changed because we exist within. And so that, that was a, a big part of it. But as we, as we looked around, um, you know, the, the region of Minnesota that we're in, um, we did consider, are we supposed to stay in we Minnesota? We did, yeah, absolutely. We considered that. But we really felt drawn mm -hmm. to a region of the world that had largely been forgotten. Um, or of our country. Of our country, of our country that had been forgotten, um, and that is statistically the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> you just, uh, and so you said look east, right? I mean, because yeah. obviously we had connections here, and so you're the one who said we ought to look east. Yeah. I think you probably said that first. Probably. But I think it was also totally a God's timing in that um, Grace Point at that time was ready to... They were really gearing up to plant a church, and so there were a lot of th so many things that could be a whole nother story of how God arranged for all the details to work. We went to Church Planners Assessment Center that actually Grace Point hosted in 2010 sure. with our denomination, which is Converge, um, and that's where we received really great wisdom and counsel about how to go about planting a church and what that might look like, but it connected us even further with the Grace Point staff who they knew they were looking to plant a church, and so eventually that led to calling you on staff to be that church planter. Yeah. Uh, but there are so many, like there's years in there. Years there was and like, details, yes, and yeah, yes. the story's really incredible. We should write yep. a book sometime together. That would be a fun, fun yep. read. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute, but there's a part of our story that's oftentimes neglected, and that's really that from day one, we've been in partnership and in ministry together. So do you want to share some of, some of the details of that? Yeah, I guess like one of the things that stands out to me is the one of the first ways we served together was leading um, a large worship ministry for our, our university, and what that looked like is... Um, we had leadership roles in facilitating worship for, should we do the vote in here too? Sorry, that's it, I'm, I'm so Ross wrote thousands of people and I said hundreds of people. No, so, my, so. so, so settle this for us because if there First are 1,600 people in a room, is that thousands or is it hundreds? No. You must have missed that It starts that with 1,000. <laughs> What's 1,000 no, plus, plus 600? <laughs> it's hundreds. If there's 1,600 people, is that in the 1,000 or it's is okay. it in hundreds? It's okay. So I'm, I'm getting heated. I've won both I'm going to the mat. I'm winning this thing. Oh, I know. He is. It's really funny. It cracks me up. Yeah, but he said up, it. Thank we you. We are adults. <laughs> we're, we're educated adults. Come on. We... <laughs> My first year old could tell that the, the chair of first, the elder board has spoken. Uh, All right, keep going. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> keep uh, going. But one of the ways that we really connected as even friends was that Ross was a worship leader of one of those teams that led the hundreds of. Um, <laughs> 
high school and college students in worship, which was really an incredible experience. If you think of the passion of youth in a room worshiping the Lord for an hour hour and 15 minutes and we 1, did 1,600 youth worshiping <laughs> we did events. that incredible. and we held two services we had to have an eight o'clock I guess okay if you add up both services maybe I would give you like a couple thousand but anyway um and our leadership we didn't actually have a staff person at the university over us so it was um us as college students really leading that ministry and working together to coordinate and lead the marketing and the planning and the organizing, the communicating of all of that. So from very early on, we were getting our feet wet, not only um, planning services and leading worship, but in all the details that go behind and beyond that sort of event. So it's really unique to think that our story began that way. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's also where we fell in love, which is a part of the story that is oftentimes <laughs> neglected, but important part of it <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> It did happen. That's true. <laughs> There's a lot happen. of details there, though, that for, for another day. Yeah, for, another, um, for that book that we're going to write. So yeah. we were married in 2004 at Grace Point. You were actually baptized at Grace Point. I was, yeah. In the summer of 2003. Yeah. Um, and then the next summer found us getting married. Um, and then we spent the summer as, like, interns on staff at Grace Point. And then we came, we went back to Minnesota where Ross started his seminary journey. And during that time, um, I was working on staff at a church and Bethel um, University had a job open up. It was the administrative pastor of chapel worship. And that basically meant that I got to be paid as staff to do kind of what we did as student leaders, um, but in a more, a, in a bigger way. So I got to oversee chapel services that are happening three times a week and oversee the development of all the student leaders that were leading worship at Bethel. And it was really a cool job. And then Ross, while he was in seminary, came on that same staff as an intern for discipleship and then ended up getting hired as pastor of discipleship, spiritual development for the university. So both of us were actually on staff there together as well for about a year and a half before I had Ethan. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so it's a cool part of our story. Yeah, uh, but, but, yep. You know, so, so one of the things that we experienced, I think, in a lot of the churches um, that we worked together in, and we, we were you know, on staff at several churches, and we were part of several churches, but we always kind of felt like there was this thin veil between the stage, like the people that got paid to do things, and the, the people who sat in the pews or in the chairs. Uh, sometimes there was a very thick veil that we felt, like, you know, like there, there is no, there's no way that anybody who just comes on a Sunday morning is ever going to be elevated to a position of leadership or... or um, or have a voice in the, the mission or the vision or the direction of the church. And we just, I think from day one, um, part of the burden upon our heart was that we wanted to do this church thing together with a body of people. Well, because uh, our favorite churches were doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like the churches that we saw that were healthy and thriving and felt like us right. were doing it together. Arm yeah. And arm. Yeah. So we, we really wanted to, to take away the veil, you know, like the, the separation between the church, the, the stage, which is why I sit down here and talk back to Ross. Yeah. That's why she banters and she, she pokes fun <laughs> of me all the time while I'm preaching, but that's mostly the nine o'clock. Sorry. 10 30 misses that. <laughs> well, it's also one of the reasons that I wear like jeans and a t-shirt to preach is because I wanted to remove any, you know, separation or anything that, that, that wasn't relatable really to the, that's the, why we take a poll about hundreds. That's why we thousands. take a poll. Right. That's why we, that's why we, we banter and we, we hope to have like more conversational style of, of the way we do ministry because this is really us doing this together. This is us. This is the, the body of Restoration Church accomplishing something together. We are a church on mission. And, and one of the very first um, passages that I came across that really inspired this in me came out of First Peter. And if you were with us uh, throughout the, the beginning of this year and January and, and on, we went through the entire story of Scripture. You may recall that. Uh, and we talked about over and over and over again, you know, we talked about how we are a 
priesthood of believers, right? How God had called his people to be representations of himself, how we were to be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests, that we have this really big responsibility to represent God to the world and that God is going to know who God is because of his people. And so uh, it's not just an Old Testament concept, right? It's also a New Testament concept. Uh, Peter wrote this as, to his very first audience. He says, as you come to him, that's Jesus, you are being built into a spiritual house. It's a church. We, we gather together in the name of Jesus. We are a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so just a couple things to note in regards to this passage in First Peter. Peter is writing this to all of the Christians throughout the Mediterranean world. Throughout the world that they knew, he is writing this to all of the Christians. He addresses that very early on in his letter. But there are times, uh, and this, this is my second point, there are times that throughout history they've tried to qualify the priesthood that Peter is addressing here. He noticed, noticed that he calls it a holy priesthood, but there are times throughout history where the church has said, no, 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 it's, it's really just a male priesthood. Or no, it's just, it's just an adult priesthood. Or it's just a wealthy priesthood. That was very prominent um, throughout the Middle Ages, that only the wealthy could qualify as priests. Or it's just an educated priesthood. Is that what Peter is saying here? He's saying, no, it's a holy priesthood. Anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ and is trusted in what God has done on their behalf is considered a priest within the church of God. That we all have significant roles to play. And so Peter's point is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a significant role to play in representing Jesus to the world and in helping us as a church body to do that. So we are a holy priesthood. We are set apart to represent God and to accomplish the mission that he has put before us, to serve God, to serve one another, and to serve the world. <coughs> and so I think it's very true, yes. I may have a unique role to play as a pastor, mm -hmm. but that does not diminish the role that every single one of you has to play within Restoration Church and within the body of Christ here. So if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what, guys? You're a priest, just as I am. I don't stand here, you know, above you on a throne and in a robe with this great separation between me and you. We are doing this together. I am not the head of the church, in other words, right? I'm the pastor. I'm not the head of the church. I'm just another part of the body. And that is, I think, why that I am willing. I cut grass, right? I'm on the grass cutting team here. You I'm, break the lawnmower. And I break the lawnmower every now and then, which I did this past <laughs> week. Um, I, uh, I clean the bathrooms once a month. I serve, right? I get my hands dirty because it, it's, I'm not this lofty being, I'm not the head. I'm part of the body just like all of you are. Yes, I may have the role of pastor, but that does not diminish the fact that you are priests. It just doesn't. We're in this together. We're doing this thing together. And so from the beginning, I think that we knew that the church God was calling us to establish and to plant was, was going to be a corporate body working together. Right, which leads us to 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul is addressing the church in Corinth. And there has been um, obviously some fighting or divisive spirit that has been leading the church to um, kind of argue about which spiritual gift is the best, um, who is superior to who with their spiritual talents. And so Paul addresses the church, um, and you can read, it's all through Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. And um, here I'm going to read to you where it says, just as a body, though one has many parts, Okay, so they're arguing about which part is the most important. Paul says, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
okay? And then he goes on to say, um, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So there's many parts and they're important. And he says in verse 15, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. So you see how, what he's saying here? All these different parts are important, and they all work in relationship to one another. Um, they're all vital. Can, so take a minute to think about how, like you can wiggle your toes right now, right? You could extend your arms out. Every movement that your body is making is made because your head willed it or commanded it to do so. And Christ is our head as the church, right? The body has no power to move itself, but only reacts to the commands given to it. And in this way, the head has authority over the body. So Christ here at Restoration is our head, and we yes. are the parts of his body, yes. right? And um, a body completely detached from a head is a dead body, right? It's lifeless, it's motionless, it has no ability to do anything. So therefore, our relationship with Jesus Christ is imperative to accomplishing anything here. Crucial. And submitting in prayer and obedience to his word. Ross talked about that last week. If you weren't here, go listen. It was a really on-point uh, message for us all, right? Thanks, babe. Yeah, it was. It was good. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> And actually, also, I should give Facebook a little uh, bone here that we, we have a group on Facebook now that's a prayer group. So if you're on Facebook and you follow our page, um, maybe I can post the link there again. But we want to be praying for one another as part of Ross's sermon last week and what, he, what we're saying here today, too. Um, but all that to say that Paul concludes the discussion about this body by stating the most important thing we can do as a body, greater than all the individual talents and, and gifts that are sitting here and that have been given to us by God's spirit, is to bring them together to love. Yeah. Right? And love is the most profound thing we can do, and everyone has the ability as humans made in the image of God who is love to love. And that's where the chapter of first Corinthians 13, 13 right, comes in when he chapter. describes love. Yeah, yes. Right. Which really, when he's describing all that, he's doing it for the sake of the body, not for the wedding passage that everybody uses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Not, not often realized as we read that, um, in isolation from the context around it. But, uh, so the point of the church then is to grow in our love for God and love of others so that the world might experience the love of God through us. And really that's, yeah, that's the point of the body working to um, strengthen our love. Mm -hmm. So let me just see where we're at here. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Anything mm -hmm. else you want to say? No, I mean, I think, no. <laughs> like okay. He's like, okay. We're a little bit off the, off the <laughs> script here, but I, it's when everybody's working together, right? When everybody's playing not just a part, but their specific part. Yeah. Um, that a body begins to really thrive and move forward. Yeah, and so we do have a very good volunteer culture here at yes. Restoration Church. And that's something that we wanted to develop from the very beginning is that everybody had a part to play and a role to play. Mm -hmm. And so we're all making up this body together, right? The movement of the body is something that happens together. And I think that if you had a pair of eyes that were working separate from each other, you'd probably cause a lot of migraines, right? I mean, think of that. If your eyes looked in two different directions, mm -hmm. how would that feel? Maybe some of you have experienced that before. I don't know. Um, so if you had both your legs who wanted to go in different directions, like that would be awkward and be doing the splits and right. be contorted and then your hands and the organs and all, all it's, it's the same with everything, right? The body works best when it's working in unison, right? When it's working towards a common goal, then it can move forward mm -hmm. with purpose. Yep. 
Um, and you may be wondering, as you're hearing us talk about this whole body analogy, some of you may be thinking, I serve here at Restoration already because there are needs, but you may wonder, am I serving in ways that are in line with my giftings or in the ways that God has uniquely created you or wired you? Um, some of you may be like, I have, I have no idea that I have gifts or that I have a wiring that God has created me for. Um, one of the things that I think about is um, those of us who have jobs that are really not fulfilling. I, f I think there are some of us who are very privileged to have jobs that we go to that earn our paycheck that are very fulfilling and in line with the way God has created us. But if you're in one of those jobs that you go to because you need to provide a roof over your head and for your, you or your family, um, but it really isn't fulfilling, I think the church has an answer for you. I think there's a spot for you here that could really fulfill you um, beyond what you maybe are experiencing right now in your career and in your workplace. Um, and some of you actually, if you know the way you're wired and you are in a job that you love, look at those those things that you love to do because I guarantee you that what you do in your job probably applies here in some way, shape, or form, and we need you and your gifts and your, the, the things that you are good at doing, we need it here, yeah. right? Yeah. So. And so over the next, I don't know, several months. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to work on, <laughs> we're going to work on a leadership track that is going to help you understand who you are and how God has wired you. Uh, there's so many tools out there that help you do just that. Right. And so we really want to help you and empower you to serve in a way that's going to kind of light up those sensors in you that say, wow, this is really what God has wired me to do. This is what I want to be doing for and in the church. So we're, we're in the process of developing that. And we're very actually excited. Um, about that, to give you that opportunity to go through this leadership track to understand how God has wired you so you can plug in in a meaningful way. And we'll, we'll of course, talk about that uh, in the coming months. But uh, Well, and also, like, if there are m m people who have been followers of Jesus for a long time and you feel like you really get what we're talking about and want to help us lead others through a process of discovering their gifts and abilities, let us know. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. we always need more helpers to help spread the love of all of that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a minute yeah. here. But um, one of the dreams that we've had over the last year, though, is really to begin raising up high-capacity leaders uh, to come into a new position of influence here at Restoration Church. Uh, and this has really been on our hearts for a while now, but you can tell us some of the backstory. But we went down to this conference in February that kind of gave words to a lot of the things that we were thinking. Mm -hmm. So, um, And I'm going to back that up a little bit. In January, our staff and elders sat together um, with my dad, and we did a SWOT analysis where we evaluate our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, opportunities and threats. threats. Thank you. And one of the things that we saw is there is, there, there is plenty to do here that we need to raise up more leaders to help us do it. And um, with that in mind, I, we were going to this, uh, it was a Converge conference, um, and they have all sorts of workshops, so we were paging through the catalog and seeing, you know, which ones we should go to, trying to be strategic, at least I was, and, no, Ross was too, and the one that I chose to go to was called Building High Capacity Volunteer Leaders, and the first thing he said was this um, statement that you see on the screen, that our greatest untapped resource in the church today are high capacity volunteers, so another way to say that is our people are our greatest resource, so you all are the church's greatest resource. And um, one, he asked a few questions. He said, how many people in your church are available but not used? I was like, hmm. And we, we started question. as a church plant, and that meant everybody was all in from day one. Yeah. So we have a really awesome volunteer culture here. But as far as um, getting us to the next stage of life as a church, 
I think raising up leaders is something and equipping leaders to do more mm -hmm. and delegating and letting go. <laughs> I'm preaching to Ross. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's definitely something that we feel God is directing us in. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And another one, um, so a couple other things that he said, I'm just going to read really quick. His, one of his points is you can't do ministry alone, which we all know that, um, or most of us know that. But the Trinity, <laughs> the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a team. The way right. they get things accomplished is teamwork right yep. so the and the body of christ that we've just talked about as a metaphor says we can't do it alone um, and when we do it alone we end up with a bottleneck so we're trying to make sure we don't have a bottleneck here because we know that there's more that god wants to do here and we don't want any lone range church pastors being the bottleneck right yeah. so we're releasing more leaders to do even greater things. So with that, our greatest resources are people. Here's what else he said that I really liked. He said, God knows how to make churches. He's an expert at making churches. When God brings people together, he does it with great design and purpose. So I love that thought because I've been a part of several churches who, who have been healthy and growing. And when I think of what those different bodies look like, they all look really different. Yeah. But God brought them together. And yeah. it's cool because we've been part of this church from the beginning. So we see God making you guys. We see him bringing you here for a greater purpose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like a front row seat to watching God put his church together, yeah. which is really cool. Absolutely. And what you just witnessed is what our evenings are like at home, by the way. She ah. has all these strategic <laughs> minds that she just unloads on me. I'm like, that's really awesome. I wish I had time in my day to actually do any of that. So, um, But this mind is constantly working and activated and and. So that's why I'm so excited to be in ministry with Emily. Uh, but we are excited to say that uh, with all of this and kind of where God has led us in regards to all this is that we are raising up 23, if not more, uh, additional staff members to come on staff at Restoration Church. Um, so we're, we're super excited about that. And there's actually a list of them right here. This is not an exhaustive list. This is not every position we're thinking of. I can't of. even read it. Yeah, you can't even read it because it's so long. But um, I did want to indicate a few things that some of these are already in place, right? You see some names next to some of these, like uh, Brian. Hughes has been our administrator doing the books, HR, a lot of that stuff since day one, essentially. So he functions as staff, uh, but we're just kind of elevating up to a new position um, to empower him to continue to do that. But also, um, you've asked him out, right? Uh, yeah, more or less. He's yeah. doing it. Um, He's like, yeah, I'm still here. I'm good. <laughs> He's been in conversations with me about it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can see some of the other ones. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. Well, um, and what you're, what, one of the things that that I've said that we've talked about is we've had people functioning this way since day one. Yes. This is just giving us more language and yep. helping us talk about it with the congregation as a whole, yeah, with the community right. as a whole. Right? Yeah. There's never really so been So these are great examples yeah, of yeah. people who but are already doing this. And there's never really been a structure around it. And so one of the things we're developing is a structure uh, to be put in place. Um, but so, so one of the examples, for instance, um, the community engagement, I don't say that's like the sixth one down or so Courtney Nelson, Julie had mentioned this earlier. I, I sat Courtney Nelson on a few weeks ago. Tell us, tell the backstory because Courtney actually approached us first mm -hmm. before I approached her and she came to us and said, I'm ready to do more. I, I want to do, do more. more. I don't know what that is, but I'm ready. I'm all in. Help me figure it out. Yeah. And that so, was probably, I don't know, like around Christmas or something. I don't know. Somewhere but we love that conversation. Yep. Like that, you cannot imagine what that does to us as, as leaders of a church. When someone comes and says, I, I want to do more. I'm yeah. like, oh, praise the Lord for you. You know, that's exciting. Right. But part of that too is when somebody says that and we don't have a system. Right. And we don't have a structure where we can look and say, oh, you'd be a great fit right yeah, here. Yeah. You just kind of look at them like, 
Oh, try to figure that out. <laughs> and so, and so what happens then is you begin yeah. to lose high capacity leaders, right. right? If you don't have a place for people or to serve, just not who want to serve, yeah, that they're not part being of the used, body right? is and just kind of like that's right, yeah. that's right. Uh, but her role, for instance, uh, as community engagement, this is the arrow going outward. And so, if you think of like our Be Rich Week, if you're here in November, we're going to be doing that again. We went in the community, we served, we loved on our people um, in a lot of different ways. It was really, really exciting. But we want to do more stuff like that. You know, we want to engage our community in more practically tangible, you know, loving ways. Uh, one of them is the, kind of the 4th of July parade, right? Uh, we were going out into the community to represent God well within the community. But can you imagine the amount of work and planning that a week like Be Rich takes or the 4th of the July parade takes? I mean, it, it is incredible the amount of work and planning it takes. And so we are so excited to bring Courtney on to kind of be the coordinator. Now, she's going to need a team to help her plan all of these things, but we are raising Courtney essentially up to a staff-level position um, to kind of function as as that role um, on the staff, and she'll have a, a voice at the table. So, and we've been talking as a staff, dreaming like we didn't come up. Ross and I didn't come up with this list by right. ourselves. Yeah. There are many other voices that are contributing to this yes. list. And again, it's not an exhaustive it's list. It's not either. exhaustive, and some of these may not even come to be. That's true. We're going to see how God leads it all, but yeah. it feels good to have a structure and a system that's beginning to form that help us bring more of you to the table yeah. in a leadership way. That's right. right. Yeah. So how are you going to pay all these people? Uh, isn't that the question, though? How are we going to pay all these people? Um, so let me clarify. These are unpaid staff positions. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> some of you are like, oh, really? How is that going to happen? And some Not of you are like, oh, that's amazing. But aren't we a body doing this together? Yes. Absolutely, right? That's the whole point of the first 30 minutes of this message, by the way, if you didn't get that, uh, is to lay the foundation for un- helping you understand that we do this together. And it is so exciting to be a part of it. Let me tell you guys, when the church functions as it should and people's lives are being changed, guess who's responsible for that life being changed? Certainly God and Jesus, of course. Let's give the credit to him. Every single person who contributed to the church functioning is part of that story. Mm -hmm. High capacity leaders develop teams below them so that more lives can be changed. And every single person who is participating in the body is part of that story. So if the church is seen as the hope of the that's world. right. So the, that's so it's so exciting to be a part of, and so we're just developing developing some structure around that. So um, the thing is, these are unpaid staff positions, um, but it is so exciting to be a part of. But how, how how amazing would it be if the church was activated in this regard? We could reach our community with the gospel in new and creative and profound ways. I think it would be very very cool. But the reality is, we are looking to hire somebody um, in a you know twenty hour position, a, a part time position, uh, to essentially help oversee these thirty people, um, to help develop some systems and some structures around all of these things, to help us strategize about how to move forward. Uh, because the reality is, that's not my wheelhouse. All right, let's just be honest, all right? If you know me, it's not my wheelhouse, all right? And we've kind of limped through it for the last five years because I've tried to put some things in place. But we're at a point now, if we're going to continue to grow the way that God is calling us to grow, that we need to develop some new strategies, some new systems, some new structures around the way that we do ministry. Um, And so in regards to kind of raising up the funds to hire this person, a very, very important person that will oversee this, um, we are going to need to raise our budget roughly $72,000. Dollars. Now, let me clarify a few things, because that is not solely for this one person. Uh, this is a part-time position we're looking to hire, and uh, additional funds will go to Treehouse. Treehouse is the youth ministry that meets here. They do an amazing work, and we're going to have a conversation with Josh in a couple weeks, and he's going to share all about Treehouse. It is going to be so cool. They have a new vision. They have this... It's, weren't you just inspired when you saw yes. it the other day? makes me want to cry. Their vision, their, their new mission statement is to end hopelessness. Mm-hmm 
for every teenager, I think, or something yeah. in that regard. But ending hopelessness among teens. Ending hopelessness among teens. Like I just, I am so excited mm-hmm. for what Treehouse is doing. It is so exciting. It's such a cool ministry to be part of, and we're so excited to have them here at Restoration. But but we don't give them a lot of support financially, and we want to raise up our supports to assist them to continue to do the work that they're doing, um, and so well. Uh, then we also want to just kind of bolster up our ministries because we don't have a huge ministry budget, but we do want to reach our communities in some new and profound ways. So the goal is to raise up our budget $72,000. And that may seem crazy, but let's for the simplicity of it all, let's just say that there are 200 adults here that gather on Sunday morning. All right. Uh, It could be more or less. That's a very generic number to make the math really easy. Because you need math help. Because I need math help. Yeah. (laughs) I tried to do this math on the the fly last hour and I butchered it. So Uh, essentially what that means is that each adult who is present would give an additional $7 a week or $28 a month. Now, if you have two people like we do in our household, that is $56 per month. I butchered that. I did the math wrong last time. I said it was 54 and I got laughed at. And so you can, that's fine. I, you know, pastor math. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I lost my train of thought. So $56, $56 a month contributing um, in addition to what you're already giving essentially would be what we are asking. And for some of you, you're thinking that's, that's impossible or awesome. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the financial state of my household right now, that is an impossible ask of me. I don't have any idea how I'm even going to pay the mortgage next month to ask an additional $56 or $28 a month. I, I, that is beyond what I could even dream of right now. And I get that. And if you're in that situation, then please let us know or let somebody know because we are a church body. Mm-hmm. And if my hand is hurting, then the whole body wants to help the hand feel better. Okay. And so we want to help you if that is true of you guys. Uh, but the reality is, and I think the reality is that some of you also, you look at $28 a month and if, if you begin to reflect on the, the fact that all of your resources, your financial, your time, your energy, your talents are all entrusted to you by God, you may come to the realization that maybe you've been less generous than you should have and more consuming than you should have. And maybe $28 isn't a big enough ask of you. And, and maybe you need to start giving something to the work of God here at Restoration Church so that the work might continue in healthy ways. And maybe for you, it's not $28 a month. Maybe it's $300 a month. And so that's, that's, the, that's the tension, right? That's the challenge. Um, is that, is that it's for some of you, this may be a huge ask. For some of you, it's not an obedient ask. And so uh, I will let God and you wrestle with that um, together. Can I, can I say something really? Yeah, good? please. It reminds me of in December when I was um, speaking on fear, because I think a lot of times we have fear when it comes to our finances, but that God's interruptions to our plans are often invitations, invitations. to something more. That's right. Right? Yeah. And just, you know, and they, I, if you listen to the K-Love Drive, which I know drives us crazy, but how often people are like, you know, I, I didn't know where the money was going to come from for me to do my $40 a month, and God provided, right? Yeah. And that's trusting God. Sometimes you have to take a step of faith to that's right. say, See I'm going to write this check, or I'm going to give that money, and I'm going to trust God to provide for my needs. Yeah, yeah. So. Knowing that, again, everything that happens here is because the body is making it right. happen. And so right. we are all part of it. And so the stories that we produce out of Restoration Church are also your stories. Mm-hmm if you partner with us. And that's just, I think, a really cool realization. But the, re- the reason, again, that we need to raise the budget up here 20% um, is to hire a person to oversee all this, to develop systems and structures, and help us strategize to support Treehouse to increase our local missional endeavors. And even if the number seems daunting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we know that we serve a God of immeasurably 
more, more than all we could ask or imagine. And so we're going to be praying big prayers and dreaming big dreams because God is a big God with all the resources of heaven and earth at his disposal. And we also have another phrase we like to say around here that where God guides... God provides, God provides right. right? So yes, we are calling this body to a new standard um, in giving and serving so that we can function as a healthy, growing church in love as we reach the world for Christ, yeah. right? And the reality is that's going to free me up to do the three or four things that I probably should be doing instead of the 25 things that I tend yes, to do each week. amen. Yeah, so... And you mentioned last service this great story in the book of Acts where the disciples, right. the ones who were closest to Jesus, were the ones who were serving the table. And well, I read it just to make sure I was saying it right. Oh, go ahead. In Acts 6. Um, but it, there were actually some people complaining that. So in the book of Acts, they shared everything they had, the church did. And that included their food. And so there were some widows that were not getting fed. And so a complaint was brought to the disciples, hey, the widows aren't getting their food. We need to do this better. And wisely, the disciples, instead of saying, we're going to go wait those tables and make sure those women get their food, they raised up other people to do that for them so that their main jobs could continue being preaching of the gospel and prayer and prayer. Yep. Right. So in their wisdom, I think it's a really good example for us, um, to raise up others, to meet the needs of others so that you can do what you need to do here. Yeah, that's certainly part of it. So, yep. um, so in just a minute, you're going to receive a blue card and you're going to get this card each and every week of the series. And for some of you, you may be ready to jump on board right now. You, you may want to check those boxes off and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to jump in. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to do everything that God has been calling me to do. I've been praying about this. I'm excited. If that is you, praise the Lord for you. Um, that's really, really cool. You can take your card back to Julia at the next step and she will uh, gather those after the service. However, so they get if, their card, they fill it out and bring it to Julie. Julie. In the, yes. In the back corner. But some of us may need some time to think about it. Absolutely. If you need time to think about it, absolutely. You know what I encourage you to do? Take this card, put it on your dashboard. Take this card, put it on your refrigerator. Take this card and put it in a place where you're going to remember about it. In your Bible, because you're going to open it. In your Bible, because you're going to be opening opening it and reading it. Uh, And really just pray about what God is calling you to do. With the provisions he has provided you, what is God calling you to do. And then again, next week, you can either bring that card back or you can receive a new one. You're going to get another one next week. We're going to talk a lot about this over the next several weeks. Um, so we're really, we're really excited about that. Yes. And we're really, really more excited about what God is going to do through us as we become even a healthier church. Um, and we continue to grow to meet the needs of our community, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when God put on our heart this general discontentment for this um, region, this northeast um, region, we decided that we were going to be a church that was going to meet the needs of the people together. That it wasn't just going to be about the staff doing everything for people that could consume it, but it was really going to be a body working uh, together. Really, really so that we would meet the, region, the needs of a region that had largely given up on God. And you guys may not know what I mean about that, but like if you think of our region, statistically speaking in the Northeast specifically, like Emily had talked about early on that when she grew up, she didn't know a lot of healthy, thriving churches in this area. Even though it's the most densely populated area in the Philadelphia suburb, she didn't know a lot of healthy churches. Not when you consider our population density. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. One of the stats I throw around a lot is that Minnesota as an entire whole has 5 million people in it. It's probably like six now, but yeah. Okay. It's okay. It matches what it's okay. good. Keep going. How many does millions? Didn't I say millions? Five <laughs> million people as a whole. Good. The entire state of Minnesota, which is a very large state. But how many people does Philadelphia have in it? It's like the same. Same, mm-hmm. right? And Minnesota is so, a big state. Yeah. So like like we are just in such a densely populated region of the United States that doesn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And that's just the truth, right? Because we live in a... Um, we live in actually the region of the United States that is classified statistically as the most post-Christian region. And you guys may not know what I mean by that, but it does not mean that everybody is an atheist. It doesn't mean that nobody believes in God. It's just that God is irrelevant to the people's lives that we surround ourselves with. Our coworkers, our neighbors, our siblings, our parents, right? God is just an irrelevant entity within our culture. And so there are some, some phrases like, you know, thinking that christianity has lost its relevance this is, and that's post, just, post this is a post-christian culture. region this is what our neighbors are thinking god doesn't have input in decision making and that should probably convict us as followers of jesus a little more don't you think mm-hmm. that god needs to be more involved in our decision making god needs to be more involved in our entity uh in our day-to-day life and routine but he's just not in the general routine of life and the church is no longer sought out to answer the fundamental questions of life the human origins and you know human rights questions that so many of us have and so can i give an example please this is a a little tiny example but ethan um, was working on a project with a class with two buddies from school and they came over to our house to work on that project and when you walk in our front door on the right there's a wall of something and this young man looked at the wall and said and i wasn't standing i just kind of overheard it he goes what are all those t's on the wall and i was like crosses (laughs) They were crosses. This young man did not recognize even the cross, like the symbol of the cross, of the which cross, I think is but rare. But it's like to me, I was like, oh, we are not done. We are not done with our work here. We have only just begun. That's right. You know, so that yeah. was very, I, that stunned me that he didn't even recognize a cross that he saw as the letter T. Yeah. So, so one of our unique challenges is, is really being invested in this community that really wants nothing to do with Christianity any longer. Well, there's not even like a context for there's it. There's not a context for it. Yeah. So that's certainly one of our challenges as a church. And one of the things that I'm actually really excited about, uh, is the project I've begun working on, um, which is a document of sorts, a book of sorts, whatever you may call it, but it's essentially going to help us as a church body answer the questions that our community doesn't even know they're asking. You know, why would a God, a good God allow suffering? You know, why, um, what do you do with Genesis 1? Uh, all the questions that our post-Christian region is asking. And so you'll see on that blue card at the very bottom, there's a section on like, here are the questions that my neighbor is asking about the Christian faith. Or here's a question I had about the Christian faith. The virgin birth, really? How could that have happened? Uh, the resurrection from the dead, how could that have happened? Um, here are the questions that my coworker is asking, but I do not have an answer for. And so I'm going to put all of these questions to good use, uh, hopefully throughout the summer as a little project of mine, and I'm going to create a document for us that you can put on your nightstand. And when your, question, your coworker asks, hey, why did God, if he is good, allow this bad thing to happen to me, you'll have a slew of resources right there at your disposal. Um, so put that to good use as well on that blue card. The question spot. The question spot. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Cool. I think I'm going up there. Now. Okay, cool. Why don't you go start playing the piano behind me for some good ambiance. Um, here, here's the thing. So <laughs> here's the thing. We, I, we mentioned this. Like we, our heart is for you, but our heart is also for the lost. And if we could become a church that is working together to accomplish the goal, then it would solve kind of both of those issues. If we become more like Jesus, then by nature, the lost are going to be saved because of our interactions with them. We truly believe that. So the impact that we could have as a church body, I get so excited thinking about the future because of what we could accomplish as a body. And we're going to continue to tell you more about the future and some other plans that we have and some um, some some new ministries that are going to be un- unveiled this fall and where we're heading in the next five years. And it's so exciting. I can't, I can't wait to, to share some of those things with you. Um, but for the time being... 
if you're ready to fill out those blue cards, do it. If you're ready to jump on board and say, I'm fully on board, a lot of you guys are already fully on board. I get that. I'm speaking to the choir here, right? So many of you are already invested so much. But if God is calling you to do more, if God is calling you to be part of this body to accomplish more, then take that card and pray about it. And when you're ready, bring it back or fill out another one and let us know. Because if we get to the point, and our elder, our elder team is meeting um, in several weeks, that's kind of the end of this series, and we're going to take all these blue cards. And if the commitments match what we need to make this higher, then in faith, we are going to go and make these hires. And in faith, we're going to start contributing more to Treehouse. And in faith, we are going to continue to do what God has called us to do. But we need the whole church body rallying around this cause in order to do it. One other thing that I want to draw your attention to is that uh, in John 15, in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus talks about the vine and the branch. And he says, if you want to continue to grow, if you want to continue to bear fruit in really meaningful ways, does anybody know what he first says you must do to the vines? You need to prune them back. You need to simplify things. You need to make things easier. You need to cut things back. And it seems so counterintuitive. And and my my proposal this morning is going to seem so counterintuitive because we're anticipating growth. We're anticipating busting at the seams. That's not the issue. We're we're, we're anticipating growth as a church. And yet this summer, starting on June 30th, we're going to go down to one service on Sunday mornings. And the, and the part, the, the reason behind that is not that we're going to have space for everybody. The reality is, I mean, the, the 9 o'clock was not much less full than this was this morning. Um, it was a little bit, but not much less. And so it's going to be crowded in here, and that might be a reality. If we need to go to two services, we'll do it. But it's going to allow those who serve so consistently a break. It's going to allow us to rest. It's gonna, we're going we're gonna to prune some things back so that come the fall, we're going to have the energy to kick things into a new gear. So June 30th through September 1st, we're going on to one service. We'll be in touch with you. The details will be coming out, but 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Yep. And um, by the way, June 30th is a baptism service, so I'm so excited about that. If you guys have never been baptized, but you're a believer in Jesus, then let me know. I would love to participate in your baptism and the public declaration of your faith. That'd be so exciting to me.